it together. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. Faith that conquers death, the measure. If I can draw your attention to verse 35, it says, while Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader, and they said, your daughter's dead. <laughs> Why are you bothering the teacher anymore? And overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. One of the great things about this moment, Jesus walking in the earth, is when people came to Jesus, we're the body of Christ, the fullness of him that fills everything in every way. The church is supposed to be his body. So we are his body, but when folk came to Jesus, different than when folk come to church. And I, I want us to keep in mind that when we come to church, actually, we're coming to Jesus. When I was a kid, we used to sing a song that said, come to Jesus, come to Jesus, come to Jesus just now. Come to Jesus, come to Jesus just now. When folk came to Jesus, they came to Jesus because they had a need. They didn't come to Jesus because the music was good. They didn't come to Jesus because of children's ministry. They didn't come to Jesus to see who cute showed up. They didn't come to Jesus to hang out with their friends. They didn't come to Jesus because it was something special. They came to Jesus because there was something that they needed Jesus to do. That if Jesus did not do it, it would not get done. I think we have to be careful that in our religious practice, hallelujah, in our worship practice, praise God for it, and that we don't miss the real reason for this. The reason why you came in this room ought to be that you have something that is on your heart and on your mind that you need God to do for you. I would contend that if you've got something that you need God to do for you, don't nobody got to tell you to praise him. Oh, I wish I had a witness in the bell. You're saying, Lord, while on others thou art calling, do not pass me by. If you've got something in your mind right now that you're thinking, well, I need God to do this. No, no, I need. If that's where you are, you forgive people. It's easy not to cuss folk out when you got something you need God to do for you because you know God is watching you. You know God is listening. I need to be honest. When you need a miracle, you let folk go. When you need a miracle, you'll just forgive. When you need a miracle, when you need God, you're about to tell somebody something and then you remember, oh, wait a minute. I need God to move on my behalf, so let me just let you go. And then you get real spiritual and you just say hallelujah. It's okay. The reason why you do that is because if God don't move, and so my question this morning is, well, thanks for coming to church. Thanks for tuning in. Praise God. Here's my question. What do you want? What do you need that God can do that can nobody else do? I don't like to involve God in stuff 
that he is, I like to involve him in things that only he can do. I don't like to involve God in stuff that y'all can do and other people can do and my mom can do. I don't like co-signing God's name to frivolous things. I like to come to God with stuff that if he does not do it, it's not going to get done. I don't know who I'm talking to this morning. I like to come to God and say, Lord, oh, I need you. I like to keep on the inside of me what I need God to do for me. I don't like to let it go. I don't like to just say, ah, I don't matter. I like to have something because it makes me praise. It makes me pray. It makes me grateful. It makes me wave. It makes me, it makes me go. It makes me give. It makes me serve because I realize, well, I need God. These three people, I read these stories this morning, Matthew chapter 8, these passages here in Luke, and, and, and Luke chapter 6, and, and, and the passage in Mark chapter 5. The thing about these three people is they all came to Jesus, and they all had a need. They all came to him with something that they needed him to do for them. Now, I don't know if right now you're here and someone said to you, like they said to Jairus, your daughter is dead, so stop bothering the teacher. Your business is dead. Stop bothering the teacher. The community can't be fixed, so stop bothering the teacher. The marriage is impossible, so stop bothering the teacher. Your child is doomed. Stop bothering the teacher. You'll never have money. Stop bothering the teacher. Black folk is in trouble. You'll never stop bothering the teacher. America's in trouble. Stop bothering Jesus. I don't know if somebody said to you that what you're asking God for, it's too late. But I came this morning to by faith say to you, don't be afraid, just believe. Bump somebody, tell them, just believe, just believe. Bump somebody else, say, just believe, just believe. If you got an empty chair, touch that empty chair, say, just believe, empty chair. <laughs> believe somebody will sit in you again, just believe. Don't be afraid, just believe. Don't be afraid, just believe. I feel the Holy Ghost. Don't be afraid, just believe. We rebuke fear right now. Don't be afraid, just believe. We curse the devil. Don't be afraid, just believe. Don't be afraid because of what they said. Don't be afraid of what the statistics say. Don't be afraid of what your money look like. Don't be afraid about how long it's been since you had a job. Don't be afraid by how long it's been since you had a contract. Don't be afraid by what they're telling you about your child. If you can take your faith and place it over top of your fear, does anybody know anything is possible if you can believe? Jesus says, yeah, well, don't worry about what they said. Don't be afraid. Just believe. These three, 
They all came to Jesus. I'm going to connect them. They all came to Jesus. They all had something they wanted. They all had something they needed. And they all got what they needed. They all got their answer. All three of them came to Jesus, knew what they needed, had faith, and their faith made them whole. I want to take a look at the three of them because they're very different and still got what they needed. That means everybody don't have to be the same to get what they need. Everybody don't have to look the same. Everybody don't have to come from the same family. Everybody don't have to come from the same background. We got three completely, totally different people, and they all came to Jesus, and they all got what they needed. I want to take a look at the three of them just to encourage all of us, and maybe you may find yourself in them. The first one is Jairus. Jairus comes to Jesus. Jairus is a synagogue ruler. What a synagogue ruler is, he's not a pastor. He's not a clergy. Not Pastor Andy, he's not Pastor Tony, he's not Pastor Al, he's not Pastor Tyrus. He's not, he's not a paid person. He's not a staff member. What, what a, a synagogue leader is, is a synagogue leader is a business somebody who, who makes money, who is somebody real in the community, and they are serving in the synagogue, mostly in an administrative role. So in essence, what Jairus is, is Jairus is like a deacon. Jairus is like an elder. Jairus is like a somebody who makes money in the business world and comes to church and serves God. Now, I just feel like we all ought to be glad about that because that's most of us. Just about all of you in this room, you're out there in whatever business it is that you have, and then you leave from dealing with heathens all week, and you come into the house of God, and you say something to the Lord, and you get your need met. So if, if synagogue ruler threw you, and made you think that this was a clergy member? Nope. Jairus was not a member of the clergy. Jairus was like a deacon. Jairus was like an elder. Jairus was somebody who, even after serving and making money, at the end of his work week, he came to the house of God and still gave God time. He said, even though I've worked hard, I'm still going to work for God. Y'all don't got to give me nothing. I'm going to work for God. You don't have to pay me anything. I'm going to volunteer. You don't have to give me nothing. I'm still going to be faithful. You don't have to give me a thing. I'm going to serve in the house of God. I remember a time when they told you that you needed to serve at church. They called it service. Wasn't just church. It was service. Because they wanted you to give God some of your time. Jairus is somebody who's a businessman who volunteers in the church. Jairus's daughter is dying. Now, there's two ways we can look at this. The first way is a lot of times when you work in the world, 
and serve in the church, it is absolutely possible for you to have a child who's not as serious about God as you. Oh, I wish I had a witness on that. It's absolutely possible for you to be faithful, for you to be serving, for you to be praising, for you to be worshiping, and somebody get around 12 and 13 and 14 and decide they ain't as serious about God as you. I know that that's true because there's a lot of us in here, that's how we were. Our mamas was at the church all the time, all day. And by the time we was 12, we was sick of church. Oh, I guess I'm the only one. We was just tired of it and just sick of being there all week. And we just was done with church. And now we're going to go be heathens, even though we knew. We knew it was wrong, but we did it anyway. I won't call you out. And we had mamas and grandmamas that shouted when we got baptized. <laughs> and on Mother's Day, the one, some of the most attended church days of the year is Easter and then Mama's Day. Mother's Day is because Mother's Day is you go to church and you go with your mom so she can feel good because she's been praying for your heathen behind. Because it's absolutely possible to be faithful to God and serve God and be about the Lord and volunteer and then look at your children and wonder, will they love the Lord? You know how I know? Because I'm in that situation. I, my hand is up right now. I got some children right now. I got some sons right now. I hope they saved. I, I, I made them be saved as long as I could. I need a witness in the building. Anybody got a heathen child? I got a heathen. To be honest, I said a heathen child. I got some heathen childs. I got some children that's heathens. You don't have to say amen, but it's, it's, it's true anyhow. I got some saved ones and I got some heathen ones. And just if that's your situation like me, I want you to know there's nothing wrong with you coming to Jesus and saying, Lord, I am thinking about my son. Lord, I am thinking about my daughter. Lord, I'm not even here for me. I am thinking about my child. I am thinking about my son. I am afraid that my son is about to die. If you don't move, weed is going to kill my son's destiny. If you don't step in, then this foolishness is going to rob my child of their life. Because this is a time to be working and this is a time to be building. When you're in your early 20s, late teens, early 20s, this is the time to be building and working on your purpose and not building and working on your partying and twerking and weed. I know it's from the earth. I know God put it here for us, but it's not the time for it when you're 20. Well, I'm stressed out. You should be stressed out because you're broke. 
I was stressed out too. That's why I went to school. That's why I read. That's why I graduated. Because I was thinking, I gotta make some money so I can get the up my mama's house. I can't live with these people no more. And the last thing I needed was something that made me feel okay. Pass it around to you, Craig. We gonna get you high today, Craig. That's the last thing I needed. It's Friday, you ain't got no job, and you ain't got the do. Can't swear on a Sunday. I'm not necessarily afraid he's gonna die. I'm afraid that his purpose will die. I'm afraid that his future will be killed. I'm afraid that he's gonna wake up and it's gonna be too late. Oh, I speak life over my people in the name of Jesus. I rebuke the devil that would rob you of your most productive years. This is the time for you to be killing yourself. This is the time to have two jobs. While your knees ain't clicking. I wish I had a witness in the building. Ain't nothing worse than going to a Walmart and somebody 80 give you a card. Ain't nothing worse than that. May the Lord set you free so that when you 80, you can relax and chill and retire and smoke your weed in. No, but may, may you be all right. Sorry, sorry. Don't come to my house when I'm 80, though. Don't, don't do it. All I'm saying is, is this ain't the time for it. Can I just join my faith with whoever is believing God for their child right now? Whoever is believing God for their son, whoever God is believing God for their daughter, whoever is believing God for their nephew, their niece, can I join my faith with yours? Can I tell you right now, I know exactly where you are. I'm no better than you. Raise them in the church and they heathens. But if you have a heathen child, just know the effectual fervent prayer. from it. They may be heathens now, but not forever. I rebuke the devil in the name of Jesus. I need somebody with some faith in here. I need somebody who your mama prayed for you and your, your grandmama did not let go and you in church, boy. Your mama prayed for you. She prayed you meet a good girl, a good church girl, who would make you come. Jairus is praying for his child. Sit down. Jairus is praying for his child. But another way to look at Jairus is, anybody in here who's a dude, who's a guy, have a daughter, if you're a dude in here and you have a daughter, raise your hand. You have a daughter. Look at all these men in here. Daughters. Gentlemen, stand up for just a second. Just stand up. I'm going to make all these men stand up. Got a daughter. First of all, praise God for all these men in church. Gentlemen, 
When you have a daughter, if we're honest, if we're honest, you love your sons, don't get me wrong, but there's something about your daughter. You might die for your son, but you'll kill for that little girl in your arms right there. Oh, I need a way. You go to jail for her. Can I get a witness in the building? I say, can I get a witness in the building? There's a way you feel about your daughter. Thank you, gentlemen. You can sit down. There's a way you feel about your daughter. You feel a way about your sons, but there's something about the opposite sex parent that has a special thing. It's mamas and their sons, daddies and their daughters. Mamas be loving their sons and sons be loving their mama. But my daughter, my daughter's in this room. You can't talk about me around my daughter. My daughter's saved, but don't talk about me around my daughter. No, you don't want to do that. <laughs> Last Sunday, I was in that casket. I had to get out because my girl, my daughter, said to me, Now, how long are you going to stay in that casket? So... Jairus comes to Jesus and says, look, my daughter is dying. There's no cell phones. He has left his house. He's on a search for Jesus because he is trying to get Jesus to heal the thing most precious to him. So for all of you who've got something that is most precious to you, Jairus says, come to my house. On the way there, the woman with the issue of blood sees Jesus. She thinks to herself, if I touch him, I'll be whole. Bible says that she's had this bleeding issue for 12 years. Ladies, my sisters, my daughters, my mothers, if you've been bleeding for 12 years, where you think you bleeding from? Imagine a cycle that won't end for 12 years. No, I, I said imagine it. No, 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 I said imagine it. You be wondering when it's gonna come, you be wondering when it's gonna end. Don't let it go longer than four or five days. You like, what is, what is going on with this? Now, the devil is a liar, you start rebuking it. If you're a woman in this kind of culture and you bleed that way for a long time, you're considered unclean, which means you're an outcast, which means that you are shunned as a result of your female organs. So here we've got a woman who, as a result of being a woman, has an issue that she has gone to doctors, she has spent everything she has and her situation hasn't gotten better, it's only gotten worse. Now, 
Our sisters, I don't know how you want to apply that. I don't want to know if you want to apply it to just the, 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 the bleeding. I don't know if you want to apply it to the, the connection to being a woman and being feminine and trying to find the balance of being your best you while still being a woman. For you to be okay with being a woman and being empowered, you don't have to be a man. My God, you shouldn't have to be a man to be empowered. You shouldn't have to act like a guy. I'm so sorry. You shouldn't have to act like a guy, dress like a guy, talk like a guy, walk like a guy, and think like a guy to be empowered. God made you a woman. I think you ought to be all about being a woman. Okay, I just think that it ought to be something that you ought to be all right about. But she comes to Jesus and she's thinking, I've got this bleeding issue. And it's been going on for 12 years. And she thinks, if I touch him, I'll be healed. She comes up behind him. She touches his cloak. And she's healed. Jesus says, who touched me? Who touched me? She came up. She's scared. She says, it was me. I, <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't need you to know my name. See, Jairus needed him to know who he was. Jairus needed him to come to the house. But the woman said, I don't need him to know my name. I don't need him to know all my business. I don't need him to know everything that's going on with me. If I can just touch him, if I can just get close enough and touch him, I'll get what I need. She touches him and she's healed. Jesus says, your faith healed you. Then you got the centurion. The centurion is an absolute heathen. The centurion isn't even anybody in the house of Israel. The, the, uh, the centurion is a Roman. He's rich. He admits it. He says, my servant is sick. Believe me. He ain't there for somebody that mops the floors. He's there for somebody that makes his business run well. Someone like the centurion isn't aware of the sickness of somebody that's at the lowest level of serving in his household. The centurion, the master of the house, the guy that's in charge of the house, is aware of the Josephs that work for him. He's aware of the guy that manages his stuff. He's aware of the guy that without this guy, my house won't run right. He's asking God to heal his servant who helps his business run right. This is a heathen coming to God, asking God to help him with his business. 
Jesus says, well, I'll come to your house. The centurion says, man, you can't come to my house. I'm not worthy. You can't come to my house. I'm a Roman. I don't know what's going on in my house. I don't know what kind of heathen stuff is happening at my house. I don't know what kind of orgies are going on in my house. I don't know what kind of slave is being abused. I don't know what's going on in my house. I don't deserve for you to come to my house. But if you just speak the word, my servant will be healed. Now, beloved, all three of these people got what they wanted from the Lord. They're all different. And the reason why I brought them all up to you is because they're all different. And they all had different measures. Now, I consider myself a faith teacher, one of the prominent faith teachers in my generation. One of the things that is scary to me about faith is with the measure you use, it's measured unto you. Now, we like to act like there's a way to believe God. But the challenge of that is that there are too many people in the Bible who had different measures and got God to move in different ways. We see this right here. So Jairus comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, I need you to come to my house. Now, I want to lay that out as a measure because it's one thing for God to be in this room, something else altogether for him to be in your house. So for you to have a measure in which you're saying, I got to get the anointing that's in this room to be in my house. I got to get some worship in this room to be in my house. I got to get the power of God in my home. It's not enough just for it to be on a Sunday. I got to get it in my house. But, but when it comes to the measure, just know Jairus says, Jesus, I need you to come to my house. My daughter, who's 12, is about to die. Jesus says, let's go. On the way, the woman with the issue of blood has a different measure. She said to herself, if I touch him, I'll be healed. She could have said, if I see him, I'll be healed. But that's not what she said. She could have said to herself, if I see him with my eyes, I'll be healed. But that's not what she said. Her measure was to touch him. She presses through. She touches him. She's healed. Jesus said, who touched me? She came up and said, yeah, see, my measure was to touch you. I want you to notice that Jairus doesn't say, oh, well, if that's how it works, I'll touch you and my daughter will be healed. No, that's not his measure. Jairus' measure is for Jesus to come to the house. Jairus could have said, oh, well, if that's how it works, then let's just bypass the travel time and I'll just touch you and my daughter will be healed. But that wasn't his measure. His measure was to come to the house. Her measure was to touch him. She began, if I touch his shirt, I'll be healed. One thing for you to get him into your house, something else altogether for you to decide you want to get close enough to him to touch him. 
My prayer is that you will move past the house of God and move past the religion about God and move past the things of God and move past who the preachers are and move past how frail we may be and know him for yourself and touch him for yourself and feel him for... I'm going to speak that over everybody. May you touch him for yourself. Don't touch him through me. Don't touch him through Pastor Tony. Don't touch him through Pastor Al. Don't touch him through Elder Frieda. Don't touch... Him through us. Touch him for yourself. Press through the crowd and touch him. That was her measure. Her measure was to touch him. Jairus' measure was for him to come to the house. The centurion says, I don't deserve for you to come to my house. I don't deserve for none of this. I want you, I, I've come to the place where I realize that I'm unworthy of what you do. I'm unworthy of your power, and I can't have you in my house. I'm not worthy. But just speak the word, and my servant will be healed. I love not just the speak the word part of it. I love the I'm unworthy part of it. I love a God who heals because he's God like that. I love a God who moves because he's God like that. I love a God who opens doors because he's God like that. If perfection is required for my miracle, I'm in trouble. But I'm so glad that he's bigger than me. Centurion says, yo, just speak the word and my servant will be healed. They come to Jairus and they say to Jairus, your daughter's dead. Stop bothering the teacher. Jesus says, well, no, 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 no. Your measure was for me to go to the house. Let's answer your measure and see what happens. Jesus gets to the house and raises the daughter from the dead. The faith that conquers death. That just because it's dead Yet shall it live. Beloved, I want this to get down on the inside of us like never before. That even though it's dead, yet shall it live. That we think to ourselves, if I can get God in my house, I can get God in my life. Even if something is dead, yet shall it live. And beloved, this is why I give. This is why I give. This is why I tithe. This is why I give offerings. This is why I give faithfully. I give because, and I'm going to put this on the screens, is because I want more money. Oh, I thought everybody would say amen on that one. I know you're there like, Pastor Andy, you done took this thing in a whole another level now. I want more money. Can I get an honest somebody in here that can say, oh, yeah, PA, I would definitely love more money. 
Now, I know the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, not money. I certainly will have it and not love it, but I like it. I'm asking a question. Anybody like me? I want more money. I, I mean, I've got some money, but I want more money. I want so much money that folk is mad at me over how much my, my God. I want people to have a small little attitude about how much money you got. I'm going to speak that right now over your life. I want people to have a small little attitude. Not a big one, but a small little attitude. I want them to be a little bit like you just think you're something. And I want you to be like, oh, yes, I do. Yes, that's exactly. Oh, yes, I do. I don't want you to love money, but I want you to have it. I don't want you to love it, but I want you to have it. I need you to have it. I need you to have it. When you're at a church with a crazy pastor that has a crazy vision, that's nuts, that's a good place to be. Because the only way for that vision to take place is if God blesses his people in a crazy way just to shut me up. I want God to bless you so much because you're sick of hearing my mouth asking you to give. Oh, I wish I had a witness in the building. I want you to give me a check and say, shut up, Pastor Andy. I do. I want you to be so blessed that you can just be like, I am so tired of Pastor Andy taking off. I'm, so, I'm just so tired. I am just going to write the check for the whole. I am sick of it. I am just done with this. If I hear one more word about Victory Park, I want God to bless you so much that folk got an attitude about it. But when you have a pastor or a leader who has a vision, what you are doing, and you're connected to it, what you're doing is you're putting yourself in a situation in which God has to bless you. Because the way that the church is blessed is by the people. You definitely want to be giving. When you give, you put the leadership in a position in which we are constantly praying for God to bless you. Constantly. Constantly. My heart cries out that God will make you a millionaire. Now, the way that you become rich is a faith that conquers death. When you take a seed, take an acorn. Tried to find an acorn, but I couldn't find none because there's no acorns out right now. When you take an acorn, you can have an acorn, and that's nice. You can go to the store and buy some acorns. We tried to buy some acorns for this example, but we couldn't find any. And you can have a box of acorns, and that's nice. That's more acorns. You can get a box of them and have a lot of acorns. But if you want to have so many acorns that you can't count them, you plant the acorn. 
in the ground. You cover it with dirt. You fertilize it, you water it, and you wait. And the acorn becomes a oak tree that produces thousands of acorns for hundreds of years. And you'll be stepping on acorns. I'm going to make everybody clap for that. I don't know if you've ever been to Jamaica during mango season. When you go to Jamaica during mango season, there's so many mangoes that they want you to come get them. They have a saying, enough mango to stone dog. Meaning you've got so many mangoes, you have enough to throw mangoes at dogs. When we go to the store to buy a mango, mangoes are expensive. The way to get so many mangoes that you can't count them is you plant a mango. It turns into a tree that makes so many mangoes that you can't count the mangoes. The way to be rich is to have faith in this process. Not just this process in terms of church. One of the reasons why black people, and I know that everybody's watching black, but black people have such a wrestle with wealth is because we only like to pay for stuff that we can see. What is harder for us to do is to have faith that conquers death. I take this seed, I plant it in this company, and I let it be there for a while, and it comes back to me 30, 60, and 100 fold. That I realize that Luke, that the word is saying, give and it shall be given unto you again. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will men pour into your lap. For with the measure you use, it's measured unto you. It doesn't just apply to church. It doesn't just apply to tithes. It doesn't just apply to, to giving. It applies to investing. I had a stock that I still have. And it, it kind of went a little crazy this past week, and it, it, and it went really high. And then my son-in-law, who told me to get the stock, texted me and said, do you still have this? And I said, yeah. And he was like, yeah, it's doing really great. And I said, yeah, it's doing really great. When, it, when I saw how great it was doing, it made me wish that I had invested more in it when I did. I need a witness in the building. At the time, I was scared to invest more in it. Sometimes, by the time it hits, it's almost too late. With the measure you use, it's measured unto you. But to conquer that death takes faith. For you and I to be blessed takes faith. 
It takes faith for you to sow. It takes faith for you to tithe. It takes faith for you to give. It takes faith for you to invest. It takes faith for you to buy property. It takes faith. I know I'm not the only one wishing I had invested in property before it became valuable. My prayer is that God will expand your measure. My prayer is that God will fill you with a faith like never before. My prayer is that your faith will be so strong that not only will it change lives, but it will change your financial situation. What is the point of all this hollering if it can't change your financial situation? What is the point of hollering at a God you can't see if you can't believe in a business plan that you can't see? about to start a new series called The Money Train. And I'm going to have financial planners coming through here and job trainers and folks to help you get your resume together and help you teach you about investing and all that stuff because I figure what's the point of having faith if you can't take your acorns and plant a tree? I'm going to make everybody clap for that. And my prayer for you is that God will make you rich so that you can be generous on every occasion. My prayer for you is that God will bless you exponentially so that when it's time to give, you can just give. So that as we move forward in this vision, it won't even be hard for you. And that God will make a way for you. I'll finish on this point. I'm going to take up this offering. When you ask God to bless you, how many people want to be blessed? Raise your hand. I'm asking a question. You want to be blessed. You're in church right now. You're watching around the world. You're saying, Lord, bless me. When you ask God to bless you, what you're asking God to do is touch men and women to look favorably at you. Right now, you're saying, Lord, bless my business. Then you're asking God to send people to your business. You're asking God to touch somebody to give you the scholarship. You're asking God to touch someone to give you the opportunity. You're asking God to put favor on your life. Favor comes from a person. You're asking God for you to get the contract. You're asking God... For, that, for you to sit down with someone and ask them and believe and for God to touch that person and now they are favorably at you. God's not going to rain money until you out the sky. What happens is that the Lord blesses you through people. So that you can be blessed to be a blessing. But when you ask God to bless you, you're ultimately saying, God, touch this person. Touch the world. Touch the masses to bless me. That's what you're asking God to do. 
And it's almost impossible to believe that God can touch people if he can't touch you. When you give, what you're doing is you're exercising faith in the process of how giving happens. You're saying, well, Lord, you touched me and I gave. So now that empowers me to believe that you can touch someone who don't know you and they give. If God can't touch you and you go to church and you have faith in God and God can't touch you to give, how will you have faith to believe that he can touch somebody that don't know him? When you're a giver, you strengthen your faith in the giving process. So my prayer for you is that God will make you a giver because you can't be a receiver if you're not a giver. You won't have the faith for it. But I'm praying that you'll have the faith for it. Come on, let's give right now. If you need an offering envelope, you can simply raise your hand. One of the gatekeepers will come to you quickly. This is our building fund offering. There are so many ways for you to give. You can make another pledge to the Victory Park. We are on our way. We have settled down on our final drawings. And uh, building is going to cost somewhere between $17 and $20 million. And we need another $3 million. So I, I just... We're about to break ground, but we need another three million. And so I'm just going to ask everybody just to give and just pledge and, and to just be faithful. And if you need an offering envelope, raise your hand where the gatekeepers will come to you and give you one. But there's so many ways to give. On the app, you can give with Zelle. Wow, bill pay. There's so many ways. You could take a picture of that little QR code there, and, uh, and it'll lead you to what you need to do so that you can give. If you're watching live around the world, you can give to the work of the kingdom of God. And I, I'm getting ready to start this series on money and, uh, in May. And uh, we're going to talk about all kinds. It's not going to just be about giving. It's going to be about how you can make more money and how you can be more blessed. And I'm going to have, we're going to have some good conversations about the best ways for you to make the most that you can and be an owner and not just a borrower and be a lender and, and be an owner and not just a leaser. For you to be financially empowered. Have some financial literacy so that you can be blessed. Because I know, like me, you want more money. And when you come to church and you're asking God to bless you, you're asking God to heal you, you're asking God to make a way for your child, but also you're thinking, Lord, make a way for me. God, have your way in my life. Lord, open the door for me. We're going to talk about all the ways in which you can be more successful financially. But, but understand that God don't bless you just for you to be blessed. God blesses you because he has an ulterior motive. And his ulterior motive is his kingdom. And if you're faithful, God will make you, he will bless you in such a way and he'll give you wisdom and insight into ways in which you could be successful. And God will open a door for you if he can trust you. Not going to bless you just so you can have a nice car. Not going to bless you just so you can have a nice house. Not going to bless you just so you can have nice clothes. He's gonna, he'll bless you because he wants you to be a blessing. And the more that God can trust you with being a blessing, the more wealth he can trust you with.
hard to trust you with $1,000 if he can't trust you with 100 Come on, talk to me. Hard to trust you with a hundred. If he can't trust you with a hundred, hard to trust you with a thousand. Hard to trust you with a thousand if he can't trust you with ten thousand. Can't trust you with a thousand, hard to trust you with ten thousand. Can't trust you with ten thousand, hard to trust you with a hundred thousand. My prayer for you is that God will bless you so exponentially. I was talking to one of the top givers and I said, my prayer for you, I asked him, I said, what do you need? for your family to be set financially forever. He's out his jobs and he's investing. And I said, what do you need for your family and your children to be set forever? He said, $50 million. That's what he said. $550 million, he said, that my family, my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren will be blessed financially. They'll be set forever. I said, all right, let me tell you what I'm praying for. He said, what? I said, I'm praying that God will bless you with $500 million. And you live off the tithe and give God the rest. Ooh, nobody said amen on that one. He said, 500 million? I said, yeah. I'm believing that God will bless you in such a way that money no longer becomes an issue for you. So that you can then care for your community. You can be a leader. Anybody like me? Just want to just be able to pay for people to go to college and just... Just stuff be set. Say, I got it. Sowing is a practice that leads to faith. Come on, let's pray. Lord, I want to thank you for our time together. Thank you, Lord God, for this time. Thank you for this service. Thank you for this word. Thank you for the anointing that destroys the yoke. Thank you for the power that you've given us. Thank you for our measure. We recognize, God, with the measure we use, it's measured unto us. And so, God, right now, we give. Not as a debt we owe, but as a seed we sow. We know this vision you have for us, this park, this church, our new location, our new church. We're on our way there. Nothing can stop us. It's already done. But, God, we pray, and I pray, for every person under the sound of my voice, for everyone in the room, for everyone watching around the world, that as we sow, that someone will give the biggest gift they've ever given, and that God, they will go to another level, and you will bless them exponentially, so much so that they won't just give the tithe, but they'll be able to live on the tenth of what you do. Take this offering and multiply it supernaturally to the upbuilding of your kingdom, and not to us, O oh Lord, but to thy name be the praise. In Jesus' name. We all sit together. Amen, God. God bless you as you give. I just want to say just quickly, quickly, thank you. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for being, for being the kind of church that didn't just get up and start running for the door the minute I decided to take up an offering. Nobody moved, Pastor Tony. You know, you go to some churches where the minute the preacher say money, folk dart. We are going to walk in this new space. And when we get there, I want you to say, I don't want you to say, look what y'all did. I want you to say, look what we did. Look what the Lord has done. Look at what God did through us. So excited that you came to worship with us today. And then after the service, it's just, it's fun day, right? So it's just, 
There's all kinds of great stuff that's going on outside, bouncy houses and food trucks and just fellowship and get to know somebody. I know it's a mega church and multiple services. Well, we have one service now, and so you certainly may be able to get to know someone. And Fourth of July weekend, we're doing this away game. We're going to be having this service in Charlotte. <coughs> so I want you to know about that. You can start to be ready to register for that. And Fourth of July weekend, something the Lord said to me. And uh, we're going to have a first ever World Overcomers Charlotte experience. And I want you to know about that. So many great stuff in your bulletin. Praise God. Jump on your feet. Anybody glad to be in the house of the Lord today? It was good. Anybody hear a word from the Lord? Anybody hear a word from the Lord? Praise God. Hallelujah. All right. Let's pray. Don't forget Kevin Jones and running for judge. Be faithful. Lord, we just want to thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your word that's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway. Thank you that the entrance of your word sheds light. And as we walk in the light, as you're in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Thank you for living so big in us today. Thank you for the worship service, the anointing. Thank you for the word that we heard. Lord, expand our territory. Fill us full of faith. Dismiss us from this place, but never from your presence. Thank you for everyone in the room. Thank you for everyone that watched alive around the world. And God, we pray, bless your people. Make your face shine upon your people. Be gracious to your people. and Give us peace. And let the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight. God, you're our rock. You're our redeemer. We love you. In Jesus' name, we all sit together. Amen. God bless you.